0: My name's Paul, as Debbie said, and, uh, and also I want to join Debbie and say if you're new today in any of our campuses or you're watching online and you've not watched Icon Church before online, we want to give you a huge welcome. So come on, church. Let's welcome those people today. We have a big sign that says, Welcome Home." And, and also another one that we put out and often a lot you belong here and so our, my prayer today is that you really know that that you belong here you belong in God's house and so we hope you're having a fabulous day and that it just gets better in God's house okay why don't you t- take your seats turn to two or three people and say I'm glad I'm sat near you today hopefully you like them oh so good so good to be in church. Well, we're in this AIM series, and uh, this is part two of four, and we're sending this series across, across all our campuses uh, for four four weeks, and it's part two, and I just want to start with something I discovered this week that I didn't know before, and uh, I discovered this week that rats laugh. <laughs> they do, and that's not just the movie Ratatouille, but rats actually laugh. That it you, if you have a rat in a box, you can get a, a pencil, you know, with the eraser on the end and you can tickle its tummy or tickle its back and the rat will laugh. We can't hear the laugh because they're at a, such a high pitch that we have to slow the recording down so that the laugh gets uh, like at a lower level so that we can actually hear it as humans. But they do. You can actually uh, tickle them with your hands in a box Anybody excited about that? And, 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 and if, if, you, if you tickle, if eventually the rat will, ki- will look for your hand and, and if you put your hand in the box and move it around, the rat will chase you because it actually enjoys being tickled and it enjoys uh, laughing and uh, who knew that rats had play circuitry uh, just like humans have we have play circuitry we like play and we like that so what's that got to do uh, with the message well what it's got to do with the message is when I discovered that it made me realize that how much in life do we think we know that there's actually more to it than we've ever understood And uh, I'm going to read some scriptures. That are the scriptures we're going to be using at some level all, across all four weeks. And, you know, it just made me think about these scriptures, that I've read these scriptures many times. And I've read God's Word in certain places many times, but there's so much more to discover. And so I want to read the Bible. I want to read the scriptures. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking, verses 25 to 34, and, and really they're quite familiar. They're quite familiar words, I guess, uh, some of the most familiar perhaps from the Bible. Um, but actually, I think there's more. God's got more to show us from these verses. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I love that thought, that so much brilliance in creation, so many great things in creation, and yet God says to us, you are more valuable than all of that. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more? Isn't that a great phrase? Will he not much more? If he's taking care of the planet and the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? you have little faith so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows he knows you need them so seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own as I say I believe in these verses and that this new year and new decade I think God's got stuff for us I'm excited about the thought of a new decade thinking about the next 10 years because when I look back sometimes one year it seems like not too much has changed but when you look back 10 years a whole lot can change in life can't it in 10 in 10 years And our lives dramatically change often in a period of a decade, 10 years. Some of you today who've got young children, your children will be teenagers in 10 years time. I can tell you're excited about that. Some of you, this might be more exciting. Some of you are working, you're working hard. You might be retired and enjoying retirement in 10 years' time. I remember last week I was talking about in the, in the first service last week, I was talking about, you know, in 10 years' time, think how old you'll be. And somebody kind of whispered out, I'll be dead. You know, well, let's just leave that to God, all right? Let's, let's just think about 10 years that you'll still be alive, you'll still be healthy, and you'll still be going for it. Uh, Last week, when we looked at these verses, we talked about Jesus saying, don't worry. And and really, we kind of didn't major on the idea of worrying, but we majored on the thought of don't aim low, because our ability to aim low is legendary. Some people read these verses, and, and they think, well, this is hippie Jesus, you know, don't worry, man, peace, you know, check out the rat race and things like that. But we talked about not aiming low. And we said that this week we'd think about aiming, where to aim. And so the title of my message is very simple this week, and I want to talk about it for a few moments. It's this, aim for the highest possible good. Aim for the highest possible good. It's a new year, it's a new decade. And it's important for us to know that there's no new year without putting to bed the old one. And so we don't want to just live the same year again. We don't just want to live the same 10 years again. We actually want to aim for something greater. I think if we don't learn from the past, there's no profit. That often we can, life can be like Groundhog Day. Can you remember that movie? You know, that, that movie where the guy in the movie is just living the same day over and over. And in that movie, there's incredible frustration and tension in that movie. It's funny. It's a great movie. There's a great story, but there's incredible tension and frustration because this guy just keeps getting up and he's living the same day over and over. And for many people, life can be like that. Year after year, they live the same year. It's the same issues, the same tensions, the same things in their life, I think God's got more for us than that, don't you? I think God wants to aim us somewhere that over time, it might be that in one year, nothing looks too different. But in 10 years, we look back and say, I am so glad that God shifted my aim and God pointed me in a different direction. And I think unless we address this, that we'll keep aiming low. And that's why at the start of this year, I've been thinking for months of doing this series. It's why we painted a, a target uh, and we haven't been sponsored by Lambretta or anybody like that. We just painted a target. But unless we decide to aim in a different direction, we might have Groundhog Day in our lives. So I know what you're asking. You're asking, so okay, tell us then, where to aim? And I'm so glad you're asking that question. You may be saying, I, I get it, so don't aim low. Don't, don't have low anticipation, low expectation. Don't just, don't just aim where everybody aims, Aim somewhere else, I get that, but where should we aim? Humanity, you see, has this propensity, this pull to aim low. Whether it's globally when we think about war or conflict or hatred or whether big things like that or whether it's our personal story, things like worry, ambition, expectation, conflict personally. So where do we aim? Well, as I've said, I want to talk today about aiming for the highest possible good. Jesus, I think in these verses, is saying to us, aim for the highest possible good. And I want us to just consider two things, just two things, and then three at the end, three very quick ways that we can apply this message to our lives. There's the first thing. Simply this, aim high, as high as you possibly can, and make that your priority, Matthew 6 and verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The kingdom of God, we we know, is God's rule. It's God reigning. And Jesus says, I want you to seek a kind of life where you can say, this is the life I'm seeking, is a place where God's in charge. Where God's ruling and God's reigning. Jesus is saying, the kingdom is this high ambition to live as if God was in charge. To look at things from his perspective. To be able to look at things and say, I'm, that's not what God wants. Have you ever been there in your family or in your life and you've thought, I know that's not what God wants. I, I, I've been laid, I was two years ago laid in a hospital bed and I knew this is not what God wants. Somebody else wants that, this but God doesn't want it. That's not what God wants. And I think when you've got this view of aiming high and aiming for the highest possible good, you can look at certain things in your life and you can think that is not what God wants. And then you can look at other things in your life and say, that's not all that God wants. You know, we might have made progress here. We might have taken these steps forward, but there's God's still got more. That's not all that God wants. And then sometimes we can look at things and we can say, that's exactly what God wants. Let's have more of that because that's exactly what God wants. The kingdom of God, then, is the highest possible good. You can't beat that. You can't top that. You can't go above that. The highest possible good. It's what the Jews were wanting. It's what they were looking for, for God to come back and to rule. It's what they believed the Messiah would do. He would come back and bring God's rule back in their nation. They thought that meant kicking out the Romans. They thought that meant becoming a superpower that everyone else looked to. But actually, God did send his son, Jesus. And Jesus did bring the kingdom of God so that you and I individually and that his people together could seek the highest possible good. And that's why I'm confident to say, as I said earlier in the service, that as humanity, we've not yet plumbed the depths of all that God has for us. Of we've not yet, we've just scratched the surface of God's kingdom on earth. Sometimes we in life we, we like, we try to do a lot for a little return. We have a goal or we have an aim in life, and, and we think to achieve that aim, we've got to do all these things, lots and lots and lots of things. And each we think has some utility, some benefit on its own. And maybe together, if we do all of these things, And then we find it's really hard to keep up, don't we? We have things like New Year's resolutions. We do all of those things. Maybe we'll get there. But I also, we have this desire to find the one thing. Like the silver bullet, I, I have that all the time. I read a lot, I read, I, read, I read all kinds of books, I read leadership books, I read church books, I read theology books. And a lot of the time I'm looking, I'm looking for the, for the tweak, I'm looking for the silver bullet that, that would give the answer. And sometimes there don't, doesn't seem to be one. But in these verses I think Jesus says there's a few things that you can do that will have a huge impact if you do them consistently and faithfully. They will have a huge return. It's almost like that Jesus changes the norm and says, no, here are a few things that do them and that they will have a huge return in your life. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the highest possible good. Imagine seeking the highest possible good in your relationships, the highest possible good in your family and with your children. The highest possible good in your work, in your career, in your business. The highest possible good, maybe, in your health, spiritually or finan- financially. Imagine doing that, changing our aim, changing our focus, and saying, I'm going to seek the highest possible good. Maybe you're asking the question, Won't I be disappointed? And I've got the answer for you yes, you will. You will be disappointed. Maybe you're saying, Paul, that sounds great, it, but it's utopian. It's, it's, it's kind of this big, big idea. And I can't imagine that's going to be easy. Well, you're right. And Jesus spoke about that. He said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he said, I've told you these th- things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have disappointment. You will have times when things are hard, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, yes, it's not just going to automatically change because you heard an incredible message in church on Sunday and you decided I'm going to aim for the highest possible good. You will have disappointment. You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Stay consistent. Stay on this path and you will find God's kingdom coming. All these things will be added to you as well as you do this. Jesus says, as you've traveled the path, I've overcome the world. And if you have this focus, so much more will be added to you. In fact, all the stuff that we normally focus on, worry about, Jesus said it will be added to you. What an incredible message that is. Let me introduce you to Abraham Harold Maslow. I think Harold is his middle name. Many of you will have come across him already. And uh, if you could put the graphic up, I'll I'll do this bit from the graphic. So he came up with this idea, this thinking of hierarchy of needs. And basically his... Thesis is philosophy, and, and it's used in all kind of uh, places. It's used in uh, you know, all, all kind of disciplines like psychology, sociology, business, etc. I came across Mes- Maslow's hierarchy of needs, studying professional qualifications and also studying theological qualifications, believe it or not. I came across this hierarchy of needs. But his idea was that actually you start at this bottom level, And when you've sufficiently fulfilled those needs, physical needs, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, you then become aware of needs at another level, safety. Then having fulfilled those two levels of needs sufficiently, you become aware of the need for love and belonging friendship intimacy etc then you become aware of the need for esteem self esteem respect status recognition etc and then if you fulfill sufficiently all of those needs you might get to the place of self actualization which is the desire to become the most you can be maslow's thoughts you had to fill one level to get to the next level and, and you actually had to do these almost in a sequential order. But when I read Jesus, it's like Jesus flips this. Because Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the highest possible good. Start there. Start big. Why? Because all these things will be added to you as well. It's like Jesus said, seek what God has for you. And all these things will be added to you. I am. I'm not anti Maslow's research, Maslow's thinking, because I think he's given a commentary on human life. That is exactly how most of us think and how most of us respond. But Jesus comes from a different kingdom, and he comes from a different place. And he says, You can think differently about this. You can start big, and all these things will be added to you. And he asks us to do that because he says, You were made on purpose, and you were made for a purpose. So start there. I love the scripture, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9. It's written by a guy called Paul who writes two-thirds of the New Testament letters. And, and he writes this to a young pastor in a town of, called Ephesus, which is modern-day t- Turkey. And he, has, he says this to encourage him and to encourage the church. He says, he has saved us, God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace, The grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning in time. He saved us and called us according to his purpose and grace. And he did that before the beginning of time, before you were born. Before any human was born, God called you for a purpose. Isn't that incredible? It it says in this verse that he's called us to be holy. And sometimes we think that means perfect. It doesn't mean perfect. It just means being set apart. A holy life is a life that's set apart. It's a life lived on purpose and for a purpose. It says that we've been called by God. And that's you. You've been called by God. We think just a few people get called by God. No, you have been called by God. Uh, in life and he's done it because of his purpose and his grace not because of anything we have done you know when I look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs I think that there seems like a lot of work there I got to satisfy all these needs before I get aware of these needs and then there seems like a lot of work there but you know, the Bible tells us and the scripture is telling us that God has given his grace to us so that when we seek first his kingdom, he will give us the grace, the empowering, the infilling of his spirit for all these things to be added. I wonder if you've ever considered what your life might be like if you had everything you need, everything that would be good for you, everything that will be good for your family, your friends, your colleagues. Jesus, I believe, in these verses says, aim for it and make it your priority. Aim for that. Don't aim low, but aim for the highest possible good. Oh, we aim for stuff in life. We, we aim sometimes for riches, don't we? We, we aim maybe for happiness, etc. We've probably all considered what our life would be like if we had everything we wanted. I can see my big yacht in the Mediterranean right now. We've all considered that. Wouldn't it be great? You know, if I didn't have to work and, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so great. But, you know, we've all considered what our life might be like if we had everything. But what if we had everything we needed? What if we aimed for purpose and meaning? What if we aimed for God's calling on our lives? His calling to join him in his work. His work in our life, in the life of others, in the life of his church and in the life of the world. What if we aimed for that, the kingdom of God? Jesus says all these things will be added to you as well. When we aim there, he says, when we do that, all these things get added It's like the world orients itself towards our desire. Something happens because God is at work. I saw this uh, joke on Instagram the other day. It says, my wife asked me why I spoke so softly in the house. I said I was afraid uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg was listening. She laughed, I laughed, Alexa laughed and Siri laughed. (laughs) We all know, we all know something's going on out there, don't we? I got rid of Alexa because I was convinced she was listening to me. I'm even calling her a person, aren't I? She, April and Nathan were telling me that they were up Romans teething at three o'clock in the, in the night and they, they were talking about Calpol, needing some more Calpol, I think, because they were, they were running low. The next morning she opens her phone and guess what? She's got adverts for Calpol on her phone, you know. But the point is that God is listening. And when we aim and we orient ourselves towards his kingdom, he listens and he He moves towards our desire. Matthew 7 verse 11, Jesus said this, If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven to give good gifts to those who love him. Aim high. Aim as high as you possibly can. Make it your priority. And God will cause things to be added to you in that way. That's the first thought. The second thought today, and I've just got two, is this. Don't just do it. That's the Nike mantra, isn't it? Just do it. Don't just do it. Do it right. Jesus says, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And righteousness, is a right way to do things there's a right way to do relationships to do trade to do work to do business to do family to do politics and let me just say right here like we all fall short don't we and God's grace is available to us and God's power is available to help us we think though sometimes that righteousness is about a morality and it is but it reveals itself in doing things right and doing things the right way. I uh, heard about a Canadian uh, university professor who um, loaned a student his car. He used to come to college in a, a kind of an old car and he loaned a student his car and the student went out one night and he's in uh, the city and it's terrible conditions of weather and he loses control of the car and he, he hits something and the whole front end the bumper and the bumper assembly you know the lights and everything it's all it's all smashed in he he brings the car back apologetically to the professor and he 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 says what you know what you want me to do and the professor says oh i'll look about i'll look at getting it fixed and so he takes it to the repair shop and in the repair shop they quote him 1700 pounds to repair it and he thinks well the car's only really worth 2000 is it worth spending 1700 he said do you know what i'll do i'll try and find the parts online and get it fixed myself. And so he goes online and he's, he's searching. He puts a request out to these people, you know, second-hand car parts. And somebody gives him a call and says, yeah, I've got, I've got a bumper. And uh, I, I can do you that deal. You know, I've seen your email. I can do you that deal for 250 pounds. And he says, wow, that's great. I can get the car fixed for 250. He said, yeah, send it to me. I'll send you the, send you the payment." A couple of hours later, he gets a second phone call from the man, and the the man says to him, Was it the bumper or the bumper assembly? You know, the bumper assembly's got the lights and everything else with it. And he said, Actually, it's the bumper assembly. He said, Yeah, I've just. He said, Oh, the 250 was just really for the bumper. He said, But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep my word, and I'm going to sell you the whole thing for 250. So the professor says, oh, that's amazing, that's great. I mean, like, when does that happen? You know, like, he didn't try and get any more money out of me. Two hours later, he gets another phone call from, from the man, and he, 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 the man begins, and he says, um, that bumper, I said, I just wanted you to know something. The professor thinks, here it comes. Something's going to happen right here. He said, well, I went to get it, to get it ready to send you and everything, and I noticed, I didn't know this before, it's got a small scratch on the right-hand side. It says, it's only tiny, but are you okay that I send it to you in that condition? And the professor said, yeah, yeah, for 250, I'll take, I'll take it with a small scratch. And then the professor thought to himself, when does that happen? When does such a high level of honour, keeping your word and trustworthy happen in our world? When eBay began, You know, and I'm sure many of you have used eBay or traded on eBay. When eBay began, they were so convinced that uh, of a low trust level in humans that there were insurers ready to insure transactions. They thought that you would send me junk and that I would send you a check that bounced. They were convinced that that's what would happen. So these insurers, you know, rose up and said, we will insure the transaction so that the transaction goes through okay. But no one ever used the insurers. Why? Because you didn't send me junk and I sent you a cheque that actually you could cash. We did it right. You didn't send me rubbish and I didn't send you a cheque that bounced. Those insurers, now you don't have that insurance around those transactions. You see, life gets complicated when we do things but we don't do them in the right way. And trust righteousness simplifies things. It simplifies you and me. If I'm who I say I am, if I do what I say I'll do, and you can trust that and I do it, life is simple. There's no second guessing. Simple, Sergei. It's simple. You see, Jesus knew knew about this. Matthew 5, verse 37. Same sermon, Jesus says this. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. You see, we need trust to flourish. We need trust to flourish in our lives, for others to flourish, for society to flourish. And for that, we have to be as trustworthy as we possibly can. Because there's a right way to do difficult things. There's difficult things we have to do in life. Sometimes we have to correct. There's a right way to do it. Sometimes we have to confront. There's a right way to do it. Sometimes we disagree. There's a right way to disagree. Sometimes, you know, we get criticized. There's a right way to respond to criticism. There's a right way to respond to criticism. I've not always taken the right way to respond to criticism, but there is a right way to respond to criticism and seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness means that I'm seeking to do that, respond the right way. There's a right way to wait. There's a right way to wait for something that you're believing for. You see, there's a right way to live in difficult se- seasons. And none of these right ways involve Twitter, by the way. <laughs> in his book, uh, The Wealth and the Poverty of Nations, A Harvard professor called David Landers tracks the trustworthiness of nations. And he comes across a startling reality that the most trustworthy nations become the most prosperous nations. And the least trustworthy nations are often the nations in poverty. Seek God's kingdom. And seek his righteousness. It's not that, you know, the most prosperous nation is therefore necessarily the most most trustworthy. But actually, in general, the more trustworthy nations become more prosperous. He contrasts, for example, several nations. But he contrasts Japan that has no natural resources really to speak of. But they've got high levels of trustworthiness, high levels of respect... And they're super prosperous. And he contrasts Japan with Venezuela. Venezuela has got loads of natural resources, more natural resources than you could swing a cat at. And yet there's huge poverty. Why? Corruption. And I know some of you have about, talked about your nations and other nations of the world that you know of. And that would be true in other places as well. I've heard you talk about that. So Jesus says, aim for the highest possible good. That which brings the greatest good to you, to your children, to your family, to others and the world that we live in. Aim for the highest possible good. Seeking God's kingdom. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do it right. There's a right way to do it. I want to close with three ways to apply this message and the band can come back ready to close our service. Just three thoughts, three ways that you and I can apply this message. Here's number one. Aim high in everything. In speech, in action, and in relationships. Aim high in everything. Colossians 4 and verse 6 says this, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. If you aim high in speech, you can talk to anyone. You can talk to kings and queens. You can talk to anyone. You can talk to politicians. You can talk to any person in authority. Aim high in speech. The second thing that's, is do the right thing and do it in the right way. Be as trustworthy as possible, as you possibly can. Romans 14 and verse 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, doing things the right way, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the third and final thing is, go the extra mile. Do more than is required. Don't just do a job. Add value. Don't just have a conversation. Change a person's day. Do more than is required. Imagine shifting our aim for the decade ahead. Shifting our aim towards the highest possible good. I don't think it's going to be Groundhog Day. I think when we look back over a decade, if we continue to aim and we aim for the highest possible good, we will get, see God add to us far more than we can ask or imagine. I, can, I believe that personally for our lives, but I also believe it for us collectively as a church. Aim high. Aim for the highest possible good. And Jesus says, all these things will be added unto you. Next week, we'll get into the third part. And each week is building in these verses on previous weeks. We're allowing the teaching of Jesus to transform our lives and to set our course for a decade ahead. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen. amen. Come on, church, let's stand together. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship our, our God together just for a few moments. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word, Jesus. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And today we want to do that. We want to set our aim. We want to set our focus. And our prayer today is that you will fill us with your spirit. You will fill us with your spirit. and You'll cause us to move forward. And if we're in difficult seasons, we'll handle those. There's a right way to do difficult seasons. Father God, if we've got difficult circumstances, people who have got challenging things at work right now and in business, Father God, I pray that they'll they'll be empowered by your Spirit to do the right thing so that they can see the supernatural adding of God in their lives. Father God, we ask you for it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's worship God together. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.